0: It's Tracy Tully, and you're listening to Tracy Tully Talks at bbsradio.com, the place to be right now. Streaming live with another 60 minutes of thought-provoking topics, sharing with you conversations that are relevant today, tomorrow, and in the future. Join me each week on Thursday mornings at 10am Australian time (AEST), 5pm Wednesday PT. Hello, Los Angeles. If you miss the live show, jump onto your favourite podcasting platform and you'll find me on Tracy Tully Talks. We do have some adult language, so if you have some little ones around, pop on your earphones. Hello to our listeners and welcome. it's Tracy Tully from Tracy Tully talks here today and I hope you're having a wonderful day as we are here in Australia and right now AEST time, it's 10 a.m I'd like to welcome to you today two co-authors of the fabulous book Asian Women Boss up and we have Jahan and Rita Cheng. Welcome ladies Thank you so much for having us. it's my pleasure. I'd just like to introduce a little bit about Rita. So Rita educates public about policy and media regarding the benefits of financial planning, and Jahan is a multi-passionate entrepreneur teaching financial literacy by providing the tools and peace of mind people need to thrive. So we're going to have a very good conversation today and it looks like it's all about finance, which everyone needs, right from toddlers right up to the age. So thank you, ladies. Rita, I
1: wonder if I could start with you, please. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So, well, my name is Margarita Chang and uh, I am multiracial. My dad was born in China and came to the U.S. by way of Taiwan. My mom is Eastern European and Irish. I was born in New York, attended high school in Texas, and I'm from the DMV. DMV is DC, Virginia. And I tell people that, okay, my profession is certified financial planner, but really I am on a mission to help individuals and families gain clarity confidence and control over their financial lives something that everyone needs isn't it absolutely (laughs) all right
0: thank you so Rita to our listeners Rita's uh hails from Irish and Chinese background lovely to have you here Rita and I'd like to talk to uh Jehan now so Jehan tell us a little bit about yourself
2: Hi, I am located in San Diego, California, and a little bit about me is I am full South Korean, and Mm -hmm. my mom immigrated from South Korea when she was 19 and met my dad, who I actually have never met before, and that's a whole story and journey of its own. And I was raised by my mom and grandma, so I'm so grateful to be fluent in Korean, And Mm -hmm. I was raised in the uh, retail woman's industry ever since I was in my mom's stomach. And during um, COVID, our stores were closed for two months. And that had me explore. And being an Mm -hmm. entrepreneur, there's no way I could just Netflix and chill. I probably watched (laughs) Netflix once. And then I was thinking about, okay, what's next for me? And that's when I started being curious about financial literacy, learning and teaching and wishing my mom had that education um, prior to COVID. And everything I do is under the umbrella of inner peace. Not only do we have the store, which is provides clothes that's friendly on the wallet. So it gives customers a peace of mind that they can afford fashionable items and also teaching the financial literacy. And and I love to guide meditations with my crystal singing bowls. And so those three oh. of my multi-passionate. <laughs>
0: oh, <right. laughs> so crystal singing bowls, I haven't heard of them before. Tell me a little about how they work.
2: So the crystal singing bowls, I have seven of them. And they're made of 99.99% clear quartz, which are intention amplifiers and always Mm. setting an intention with these bowls. And each bowl resonates with each chakra, which chakras Mm -hmm. are energy centers throughout your body from the top of your head all the way down. There's seven major ones down to the base of your spine. And each bowl resonates with a specific note, vibration, ah. and a color.
0: Oh. Ah. Ah. And is this, a, is this from, from the Korean culture, the, the crystal balls.
2: This is from the Indian culture.
0: Ah, right. Fascinating! I'd love to see those. Thank you so much. So financial literacy is something that interests me because I'm an educator, and uh, having done thirty eight years in schools as, as um, high school and primary school uh, principal, uh, lit- uh, financial literacy or uh, literacy and numeracy and is uh, and math is is huge. Is is there's a big gap. It, uh, certainly there's a big gap here in Australia I'm not sure about in your countries but uh, but it's a it's an issue so when I saw both of you were in the in the world of finance and education that um, excited me so margarita can you please tell me what brought you to um, this area that
1: uh, you're doing in terms of financial planning Absolutely. So I'm the eldest of three girls and I did study finance in college, but I think I was always wired to know about money. I am the eldest of three girls. And Mm. as I mentioned, my dad came from China. When my dad came in the sixties, he had $17 to his name. Mm. I always tell people, it doesn't matter what inflation rate you use. That's not a lot of money. And my dad felt that it was really important to be talking about these things um, because he wanted us, he felt that knowledge was power. So my interest in finance was, and money and math was early on. But then when I attended university, I noticed that a lot of people were fearful of math. Mm. And I enrolled in business school and I said to myself, what if we can, um, And this is even before data science really exploded, right? Mm. What if we can use this data and these financial concepts to help people make better decisions? So that's kind of how it started. And then I worked as an analyst and I realized that a lot of the concepts we use in accounting, corporate accounting, they can be applied to individuals and families. So we talk about balance sheet. That's really a net worth statement. We talk about a statement of cash flows, that's really a budget. So that's kind of how it started. Mm, mm. It's interesting, because
0: as I just alluded to earlier, I've been in education for a long time. And you are right. It's a great fear with a lot of people and not just children, but staff as well as parents. And what can we do? in in at the level of a school children, what can we do to help Um, the curriculum in terms of financial literacy that Jai Halm was talking about. What is there something that we could do? Have you got any suggestions?
1: Do you want me to answer that? Yeah, if you could, yes. Sure, I'll be brief. I think one of the things that we can do is we can integrate these concepts. I have three kids. I'm a mom of three. And I think when, for example, more teaching percentages make it relevant Um, Give real life examples. I I understand that educators are under a lot of pressure. They have standardized tests. They have so many objectives they have to cover. So it's not so much undoing things, rather complementing what we're doing. So making it relevant. Um, We talk about social studies. You know, bringing uh, the concept of um, economics into the classroom in a way that's relatable. Hmm,
0: I, I agree with you there. The relevancy to me should be the highest priority. The rel- relevancy to life. I think we've got so much fluff in school curriculum now that uh, we lose we lose the whole impetus of what we're trying to do: educate children to survive as as young adults. Jayhan, what do you think? Then, um, what led you to to um, help other people in terms of financial literacy?
2: What led me was myself not having the knowledge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause in school we're not taught about balance sheets or budgeting or mm. how to save. Like when we we're graduating, we can sign up for a credit card, get all these mm-hmm. loans. And I have friends that have so much student loans. Yeah. And they're continually having to pay this off. And so having that education of, okay, what exactly is a loan and how much percentage will be added to that interest in the future, like knowing those concepts instead of thinking it's free money yes. and having the foundation start in the elementary school to middle school and high school because that's why adults – Some adults Mm. aren't educated because it's not in the foundational education Mm. system, and some adults don't go past the primary educational system. And so really starting to impact and make a difference with our youth because our youth is our future.
0: Mm. Ladies, you've got a powerful, powerful conversation going here because, as I said, it really um, resonates with me. And and the reason being, because I've been in the field of, of schooling and education for so long, and then obviously I've, um, I have work a lot with university students now as well, and uh, the, the biggest problem is it's absolutely worldwide, this issue. So simple things like learning your times tables still isn't done well enough. And we've been around in education for a long time and we still haven't learned it well enough that that we, we need to do it as a basic, basic every single day need. And this is something that I find if they can't do their tables, their simple times tables, then they won't be able to do their percentages and they won't be able to do their fractions and it goes on down the chain. And so times tables percentages and fractions are absolutely important obviously um adding and subtracting and division etc as well but they all interrelate don't they so we're looking at your tour. are you a mum as well jehan
2: no not yet i look forward to once i have a boyfriend also that's also (laughs) my thing i am single um but i would love to create a family
0: (laughs) Excellent, wonderful. So there you go, listeners. We've got a helper. <laughs> okay. All right then. So yes, yeah, so that, that's that's interesting that that and I love the words um, that you that you've used in terms of financial literacy. And this is something that we've got to push, and I know it's something that I'm very interested in pushing into into the media. In terms of this is this is what we need to do because we're letting our kids down. We are letting our kids down, and they can only learn what they're learning, but with all this extra fluff. So together, you've you've come up with a powerful, powerful topic there with um with finances, and you both picked up that university kids struggle as well as uh, school kids. So, it, a margarita. If we're looking at helping children, because you've got three kids, helping children at the very base level in
1: terms of financial planning, where would you start? Sure. So as mentioned, I do have three kids. I think it's really important to make it age appropriate and relevant. So Mm. here's exactly what I mean. If you have a toddler who's having a meltdown and wants you to buy a toy in a store, you can't say we don't have money in our budget. That's not going to work. No. But what you talk about, if the if your child is older, is about how our family plans for things, and you get the kids involved. If it's back to school shopping, if it's holiday shopping, um, we would um, select several families um, and support those families so that the children could have. Holiday presents, or the family could have a holiday dinner. So, you teach children the concepts because with money, there's really only four things you can do you can spend it, you can save it, you can invest it, and you can share it, which means giving. So, you integrate these concepts uh, and you make it uh, relevant and age appropriate. The other thing I'll say about money is I think it's important to, you know, use experience everyday experiences opportunities for learning and then you know it may when you make a mistake like my my daughter even said you know mom sometimes like you know like I bought these masks for my face right and they didn't really work And and my daughter's like mom you keep on like buying that stuff and I was like you know what you're right like I need to be more you know intentional about what I'm buying and how I'm consuming so I think that those are opportunities for learning. Um, but yeah, yeah, as you can tell, I'm really um, very passionate about this topic.
0: You are. And uh, so am I. And I love it. I just love it. And it needs to be forefront. And ladies, I'm going to invite you to um, um, both of you to a one on one with me at another date and time will organize because I'd love to, um, to take each of your, your passions and and, uh, and have an interview. Uh, Solely with that as well. But coming back to what you were saying, the relevancy and using the language is the powerful thing, isn't it? And simplifying the language. So, no, at the checkout, no, you can't have that chocolate because and as you said, you can't use the word because we're budgeted, but we can certainly say because, you know, you've seen you've seen mum's shopping list and, and I've talked to you about why uh, these are the only things that we can purchase today and there won't be anything else, but having that conversation before you go shopping so the kids know exactly what's going to happen when they get to the check the checkout that no you know it's not going to happen it's as simple as that but why the reason why is the something that we're always missing isn't it yeah Absolutely. so Jahan, uh what led you to help others you said that you were in retail before covid and now you're in now you're in um financial literacy so what, what was it that led you to that change? Was it because the, the retail shop closed and because of your mum's background?
2: So currently we still have one retail store. And mm. at one point we had 13. Wow. And we closed some and even in between that closed and opened new ones. Mm. And during this time, the store was, we had one left. The store was closed for two months and I was, presented this opportunity Mm. and I was thinking about my mom because she immigrated and she didn't have the education. And I was thinking, man, if my mom invested or knew what to do with all the money Mm. that she was making like a few years ago, instead of continually opening up brick and mortar stores, Mm. um, it would be a totally different situation. And so thinking about that, I'm like, thinking how many other immigrants are in that similar situation. They don't have the proper education and that's all they know. Like my mom knows how to work hard and continue and not let anything yeah. stop her. And also um, something that came to light was retiring and we're not taught bad in school, like how to mm. have different buckets for retirement And how much we need, or I, every person has a different amount that they'd like. um, And it depends on their lifestyle and what, and then that leads me to what you want versus what you need. And so like going back to my great shopping, like if someone, one of her children would like a chocolate bar, it's like, do you really need it or do you want it? And Mm. so having that distinct difference of the two. Interesting that you're talk, talking about needs and wants because I
0: remember distinctly I would have been in grade 12 economics, my final year of Australian schooling, grade 12 economics, and and I heard my first lesson in my entire schooling about needs and wants. So it took that long to have that, that lesson. Admittedly, I've moved a lot. So I moved states a lot. So it could have got lost somewhere along the, the different systems. But it's the needs and wants that need to be discussed at a very young level with children, isn't it? And then and then knowing what the consequences of needs and wants are, but particularly with the boundaries of needs and wants. And, and I hear what you're saying with your mother. She continued to purchase more stores more brick-and-mortar stores. And if she hadn't have done that and put her money into an investment, um, she may have been way more successful. And so the consequences and then the boundaries is another thing that I'm hearing you saying as well. How does she respond to to that, your your discussion about this?
2: She is supportive in anything that I do. Mm. And so any way that I can be of service, because I love to, like, what I really love to do is connect people and be of service to others, whether it is through finance or meditation or um, finding a perfect outfit. It all aligns. And something I've taken on in the store is having um, Zoom since
0: everything's
2: not everything. Most things are on Zoom. Um, we've had Zoom events where we have educational events and we'll continue to do that.
0: I love it. I love it. I think uh, it's certainly changed the whole mode of education, hasn't it, for everyone. It, it, as long as people have got a computer, in all fairness, that's not a cheap article, got a computer or a phone and Zoom is free and an internet that they can learn pretty well anything nowadays, can't they? But once again, it's the delivery of the education and it's the use of our language. And I know, ladies, that you've got that on tap, the use of the language to help people, to educate them. Margarita, getting back to you,
1: what makes your business unique Sure. So I do financial planning and investment management, and I know a lot of people do that. So that's not that unusual, but I have flipped the conversation. And here's what I mean by that. Typically, the conversation is, okay, how much money do you have? Do you have half a million? Do you have a million? Do you have three million? And from that, you turn over the portfolio and you pay someone to give you advice it's a little bit different. I actually don't take people's money unless we do financial planning. And so that removes a lot of barriers. So for people maybe who are younger that you know, don't have a portfolio to turn over to you, but they want advice, they can still pay for it. It's just the method of payment is different. The other thing is people are fearful if they've lost money or they have money in a business and they just want advice. So I would say um, what makes my business different is it really does focus on the people, mm. people first, their priorities, the financial plan, and then the portfolio is last. All too often people start with the portfolio, but they forget that there's people behind the portfolio.
0: Lovely. And I, I hear you. And uh, I'm, I'm speaking to my son, who's 25, and I'm talking to him at the moment about uh, the necessity of him uh, looking to per, uh, looking to um, buy a house and use we have a first home owners program here in Queensland and I said to him you, you've now got permanency in work uh, and it's taken him a long time to get that permanency so it's quite precious uh, but even though we know permanency doesn't really mean anything but I said to him you really need to start thinking now about an investment and if you can live in your house and rent the other rooms then you're able to you're able to pay off your loan and still keep working and uh, and it and it will work but you've got to have these conversations and that's the important part so your unique your unique point there in your business is you've actually focused on people and having the conversations with the people first so that they feel um they feel less inhibited about talking about money or lack of it and so that you're actually then teaching and moving them to the point of financial planning, but with a a conversation that's more palatable or easy for them to understand. User-friendly conversation.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, removing a lot of judgment and a lot of barriers because I realize that business model, there's nothing wrong with it, but it might not appeal to everybody in every situation.
0: I'd say 100% people.
1: <laughs> yeah, anyone who hasn't got a couple of million
0: stashed in the back, I'm sure it would appeal to them. Well done. Thank you. Now, Jayhan, what makes your business so unique? Because you've got a few different things happening there, haven't you?
2: Yes, I have a few different things. And so starting with my, the clothing store, uh, we've to, this August will be 23 years in San Diego. Yeah. And COVID didn't stop us and it's only elevated us to really work with our community. Like our community, we've gotten closer and I have so many creative friends. Like we're creating, co creating um, events together and how we can support each other. And with the financial literacy, we are, my financial firm supports middle America and goes through financial concepts first and then goes into whatever it is that they need and then with my sound meditation journey this is something that i also love and it's providing that space for people to really take a moment and connect with their mind body and spirit and be at peace and is that suitable for children as well, do you think, or only adults? The sound meditations? Mm. It is suitable for children as well.
0: Excellent. So once again, I uh, you know, I love hearing that sort of thing because I've been watching children for a very long time in classrooms, and I find that's what's lacking. And it's interesting, I've just read the data this week, uh, the data on, on the children's report here, in uh, Australia, and it's quite quite frightening because the kids say the biggest biggest area of, of their um, their concerns is their uh, stress and anxiety. So this is this is down you know right down for the little ones who've been surveyed right up to the eighteen year olds. So we've got a huge portion of um, people, young children and and teenagers who have been surveyed. And they're saying the same thing. So if there's if there's um, a feeling of lack of resilience, and there's a feeling of anxiety and stress, then that will obviously go across to their ability to communicate well, and their ability to manage their funds or spending or use of money, or even decision making around money. So they interconnect. I'd love to see every school do something like that. Can you could you adapt a program? For kids,
2: adapt a program to integrate the mindfulness.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. In a classroom, could they could there be something they did every day for you know, a, a period of time?
2: It depends on the school system because one of my friends, she's a fourth and fifth grade teacher, mm. and she started to incorporate that, but then her principal.
1: Mm.
2: wasn't aligned with that. And Mm. so she took that out because she's also a yoga instructor.
1: And so she got
2: in breathing and that wasn't in the curriculum. And so I think it depends on the school. Um, And she actually did invite me to speak with her fourth and fifth grade students about finances. Mm. And it's incredible what they already know at that young of an age.
0: Yeah. Oh, good, good. So, coming back to the first part of the conversation with breathing, breathing is the basis for everything in life. So, it's a sad, sad principle that doesn't recognise that. And yes, it is in the curriculum. It's, um, you know, it's it's in the English curriculum, even just the pausing at the end of a sentence and commas. So, what a shame that principal didn't see a brilliant opportunity in front of them to help their kids and centre themselves and their thinking and calm them down as as one. I loved your word co-creation too. So it's a little bit of co-creation, isn't it? So that's a shame. But uh, I think I'd have to shoot that principle down in terms of saying, well, it is in the curriculum. It's also in the drama curriculum. It's also in every assessment piece because most assessment pieces in Australia and I'm sure across the world have at some point a, a talking part where a student has to present and in the littlies, they have to stand up and, and present in the morning, don't they? And they have to show and tell. I don't know what if you have anything like show and tell in the US, but definitely here in Australia. So that's breathing, that's controlling their breathing to speak confidently. So um yeah keep pushing that that agenda because breathing is the be all and end all I believe it's it's the first it's the start of confidence if you can breathe you can control yourself and your emotions when you breathe and calm yourself down everything else is going to work really well and that's with your meditation as well margarita how did you know that um that your business would would that how did you know that um helping people, what was going to be your passion? What 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 triggered that off at what
1: stage? Sure. Well, uh, in at the university, I um, studied finance and East Asian language and literature, and I know so many people were intimidated. I didn't necessarily know that there was a discipline of personal finance. So I studied the corporate finance track, and I realised that when you can explain things to people in a way that um, is free of judgments and allows them the opportunity for self discovery. Um, it allows them, it's not my money. I'm just facilitating the conversation and, and guiding them. In some ways, it's very much like meditation, it's the journey, mm-hmm. and you take them and you find out what is important to them. So I think my aha moment was when. Um, clients told me, they said, you know, Rita, we don't feel like we pay you enough. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, because we feel like we're, not only are we on track to reach our goals, but we fight less as a couple and we feel more centered and um, at peace with our money. I, I don't worry that my husband wants to buy a new iPad and he doesn't worry that I like to go to the spa because we, plan for that. It's mm. in our budget. So we have better um, relationships with one another yeah. and with money. So I think that's what helped me realize that um, what I was doing was meaningful. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And it's true, isn't it? Because I hear, uh,
0: well, in, in my businesses with clients, it's the same. Money seems to be the crux of, of a lot of um, um, poor relationships that worry about money or where they're going to find the next dollar or who's spending more than the other or it goes on and on and on. But money is is a big issue. And as far as I'm concerned, I think it's as equally as important as breathing. <laughs> so communication, co-creating uh breathing. So yes, um, that's really good. What about yourself, um, Jayhan? When did you know? When did you know that um, your passion was going to be helping people? Because you've been in the re- retail for a long time. Was it COVID or was it long before that?
2: It was before. So, two, in 2018, I kept getting these pings of, I'm here to do more than just be a retail store owner. There, there's yeah. something more to life than this. And I know that. Um, whatever I put my mind to, I can achieve. Like I um, obtained my real estate agent license because I was going to go into real estate. And then I tried that and that wasn't for me. And then my aunt had assisted care for the elderly. And so I obtained that license and I was continually doing things that other people suggested. And so whatever I do, I know that it's going to help people and be of service in some way. And I'm, I'm still continually on this journey of discovery. And one main catalyst was this program through Landmark. And yeah. have you heard of Landmark?
0: Well, the Landmark in Australia is actually uh, like a, um, an agricultural um, company. So it's in sheep and wool.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. It's definitely <laughs> so, no, not in sheep no. and wool.
0: tell us more
2: it's in personal growth and development Ah. and it is Ah. in Australia as well in Sydney Ah. and And Ah. through this program it's really elevated um, the way I am and being like there's no way I would be able to have the confidence and courage to even be on a talk show like this and yes. <laughs> through that work, it's really taken away anything that's in my way of being powerful and effective and really taking action in my life. And mm-hmm. it causes breakthroughs and areas that are called blind spots, areas that we don't see. Mm-hmm. And I'm continually involved in this work. And it I, I went in actually for my career. And I've gotten so much more, and like what it means to be a contribution to humanity. Mm -hmm. Like being able to make an impact with someone is priceless.
0: So you're a lifelong learner. That's uh, I'm I'm the same. I like uh, I like to learn a a skill or a trade or um, study and research, and I and I do it continuously, and I totally disregard what other people think of my. Uh, hunger for more learning, to learn and learn and learn, and, and look at things and research and analyze, and uh, I, I just love it. And I think it's really important in our lives. And it's good to hear that um, that you're both the same. Uh, and like-minded people help grow other people, and that comes back to that co-creating. So the landmark um, has nothing to do with sheep and wool. It's actually about professional development and learning, and that's in Australia too. Right. And is that a U.S.-owned, U.S.-based company, Landmark?
2: It is a U.S.-based company and it is global. And mm. now it's even more global since it's on Zoom.
0: Right. Okay. So for our listeners today, if you are interested in uh, Landmark, it's a professional development program for businesses, business coaching. Is that correct?
2: And personal. You don't, it doesn't have to be just business. Yeah. Um, it's personal as well. And I'm happy to connect with anyone that's interested in learning more about it. Excellent.
0: So would you tell our listeners then how they could find you? Where would they find you?
2: I am on, the best way would be Instagram. And my handle is J-H-A-N, so J-H-A-N integrates, I-N-T-E-G-R-A-T-E-S. Or if those people don't have Instagram, also, my email is Jessica, J E S S I C A, at closetsignature.com. Mm,
0: that sounds good. This, this is your retail store.
2: That's my retail store. Mm,
0: lovely. Great. So, there we go for our listeners. If you um, uh, didn't ca- quite catch that, Instagram, J Integrates, and email is Jessica at closetsignature.com. Thank you. Margarita, so uh, tell
1: me your challenges as an entrepreneur. Sure. Well, I think one of the challenges is, you know, how do you grow your business without compromising the client experience? You know, you don't want to just grow for growth's sake. And I'd say another challenge is, you know, allowing someone else's definition of success to define your definition, mm. so I would say that those are um, two challenges. Um.
0: That's a good one. The competition one is 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 big, isn't it? And I, I I've been speaking to some people lately about um, two two uh-huh. unions in uh, in a profession here in in Queensland, in Australia, and one is over a hundred years old, and one is brand new, and the attitude for the old one, the traditional one with the new one coming is quite sad because it's almost like schoolyard bullying uh, and uh, the conversations, are, I, and for me I reflected driving home last night because I have a few long, long hours driving and I reflected on why, why are people are so... Petty about these sorts of things that um, that they feel that competition is going to hurt them because actually it's such a big world it actually won't hurt them and in fact they could learn more and for the new kid on the block I think they've got I think they've got the better deal because they've got the opportunity to see what the gaps are and to grow and to uh, to massage the association or union with what is needed right now and uh, so there's like a big paradigm shift to something that's over 100 years old that's probably very weighty and heavy and traditional and not that probably really effective now if they're going along the same way and then you look at something that's new so margarita you'd be um, a lifelong learner too wouldn't you
1: Absolutely. I think that I am a connector. And the more we connect, the more we learn. And the more we learn, the more we grow. So it's this uh, continuous cycle. And, you know, sometimes we also are unlearning. We are unlearning um you could say bad habits, but maybe, this is what I say, maybe what we did was the best we did with the information we had. So I always tell people, yes, I am a lifelong learner, but sometimes I have to unlearn things that no longer serve me well. I like that. I really do like that. And and owning it and being honest about
0: it, unlearning. That's not a word you hear very often, is it? But I love it. Imagine if we used that in schools. <laughs> And I think, you know, we've done some big things here in Australia, no doubt you would, in the US in terms of kids' lunch boxes, for example, what's in the lunch box and uh, what they're taking to school. I remember the first school that, um, that I went into that, that had Coke machines, cans of Coke, bottles of Coke and, and Coke machines throughout the school. It was a very large um, school in terms of um, area and there are a lot of coke machines. And as soon as I stepped onto the school grounds within the first week, I said out they go because my concern was learning and obesity. And I copped a lot of bullying from everyone for doing that. The owner in particular, he, he never let me forgive it for years and years and years. Um, the kids wanted their coke. Um, and then the, all the sporting bodies that use the school Grounds over the hol- over the holidays and, and weekends for sports. No one was happy with me at all. The only person that actually benefited from the coke was the guy who owned it. And so unlearning, teaching, teaching that whole community to unlearn that fact they did not need coke. It was an interesting. It was an interesting journey. It took me over ten years, and I had battles with my colleague who was the principal on the same grounds who refused to um, remove the Coke machine from uh, their their site. And, of course, my kids used to try and sneak in, but they'd have to pass my window to sneak in. I'd jump out, what are you doing? <laughs> Don't need Coke, you're not having it going back. So unlearning is very powerful. I love the language, ladies, you're using. So let's get to the book, Asian Women Bossing Up, Asian Women Who Boss Up. So as a co-author, Jay han what, what led you to, to writing your chapter for that book?
2: As a co-author, what led me to writing my chapter was really getting back to my roots because where I am in San Diego, I grew up in a, the suburbs, mainly Caucasian, and I, I felt disconnected at the mm. same time I'm so connected because. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no At the same time, I was so connected because I still talk with my mom and grandma and eat Korean food on the regular, like daily, and speak Korean. And just because I wasn't surrounded by Asians doesn't mean I'm not Asian. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I had this disconnect when I really had this connection still. And my chapter is about health and well-being and taking care of yourself. And I really am such an advocate of also being curious about life, like trying things out and you have no idea what will work and what doesn't work. Mm. Uh, And then I also speak about... Um, part of it is about my dad. So I mentioned in the beginning where I've never met my dad. Um, and through my journey of self-discovery, it's a question mark over my head. He's half the reason why I'm here. And so I actually went on a search for him Mm -hmm. and found him and the response isn't the response that I had, I would have wanted and not allowing that response to stop me. From whatever I am, I'm up to and because his response yeah. is not about me, it's whatever is going on over there. Yeah yeah, yeah.
0: so you still haven't met him.
2: No, I haven't met him. He had said that he doesn't want to be in communication or contact mm. and I did my part and I'm taking yeah. that as a no, not now. Yeah, not yeah. a no, not forever. Love it, your attitude there.
0: And for you, Margarita, what was what was your incentive
1: to write in a chapter in the co-author book? Well, sure. So I developed a friendship with Sheena Yap Chan, and I'm a huge supporter of Sheena's work from mm. uh, her podcast to uh, what she's doing to support Asian women. So mm. of course, I wanted to support her projects. Um, And then when she said that there was a call for authors, I felt that this is a wonderful opportunity to collaborate with fellow Asian women. And this is the first project of its kind where, you know, Asian women are coming together. And, you know, it's important. Everyone's voices need to be heard and their stories shared. So to be part of that project um, is truly an amazing opportunity. I think
0: it's fabulous. I really do. I really, really do think it's just wonderful. I'm very excited about it. And as I said, uh, I want to offer every single co-author a one-on-one interview because it is important. It's very important. And uh, I I can never understand why people um, have to single others out in, in um, regards to their race or their culture, etc., or where they live, and uh, to me, you know, we women—if we band together without borders and uh, we, we we band together for the common good of, of each other—it's got to be positive, a positive, and especially for learning, especially for passing on that conversation with younger people. And the beauty of this, these, this radio station. And the beauty of uh, having Zooms and having YouTube, etc., and videoing is that we can actually capture your voices, your thoughts, and for the first time ever, we're really doing it, aren't we? As a, as a cohort, and especially yourselves in this book, Asian Women Boss Up. that, that is a, a new, a new, um, a really new step, isn't it? In the right direction to educate people. What about yourself, Jahan? Where will you take it now? Sorry, Where
2: where will I take it now? Mm. Um, Continually being heard and connecting and sharing my story and also collaborating. Like Margarita is such a supporter of others. Like I love her supporting spirit. And the more we band together and work together, the bigger the voice we'll have. And the book launch actually came in during the time of um, violence against Mm. Asians. Mm. And so talk about perfect timing in a sense, because as Asian women, sometimes we are known to not speak up. And now Mm. we are able to have this platform with the book and our sisterhood to be able to work together and be a voice and be heard.
0: Powerful stuff, isn't it? I love it. And you're right. Isn't it amazing how the two the 2 didn't collide, but the two sort of came into sync because this racism has been around forever, for absolutely ever in Australia and and no doubt all over the world. And uh, I think um, one of the big things is the best way to to help people understand is to speak about it and speak about it and speak about it and speak about it in a positive way and show yourselves especially as great role models, and especially to our younger children who need to be influenced, because some people as they're older, they're not going to change their minds, they're going to choose not to. So we do have to know that there's a much bigger cause here. And I love what you're doing. I can't wait to read your book. Denise has promised me. copy and I'm coming over next year so we're talking about coming over in May next year to do a a conference and uh, in LA and very very excited because I'd love to meet uh, you all and I'm also going to Toronto to speak in a conference there so I'll be able to meet the Canadian authors as well and keep it going because I think it's very important really important. So a nugget of wisdom, Rita, Margarita, a nugget of wisdom that you might have up your sleeve that you could share with all our listeners today.
1: So uh, this is my nugget of wisdom. Um, So, and this is related to, of course, what I do, but I think that people can benefit from this. So I sure hope I get it right. So, so many people spend their health to gain wealth Mm -hmm. only to have to spend their wealth to regain their health wow i haven't heard that one before i like that
0: i like that nugget of wisdom that's a golden nugget isn't it i just have to say it's a diamond (laughs) excellent thanks for sharing that jayhan do you have a nugget of wisdom for us today
2: My nugget is to create a gratitude attitude practice. I write three gratitudes every night. Mm -hmm. And I believe I'm on day um, like 715 of consecutively. (laughs) There goes my alarm. Um, (laughs) And also if I, I, there are days that I, I may skip. And then I go back and reflect on that day. I don't stop because I skipped a day. I reflect and continue going. Because just because we missed a day doesn't mean we have to completely stop whatever it is that we're doing and not be stuck in the, oh, why did I not do it? It's getting back up, showing up and continually moving forward.
0: And that's important, isn't it? Because people can um, get stuck in that and become perfectionists, can't they? Gratitude, attitude, love it. Margarita, how can our listeners
1: find you? Where will they find you? Sure. So uh, my website, BlueOceanGlobalWealth.com. If you prefer social media, Twitter at BlueOceanGW or on LinkedIn, Margarita Chang
0: there we go all right so margarita cheng is on linkedin under her name margarita spelled m-a-r-g-u-e-r-i-t-a chang c-h-a-n-e-n-g uh, sorry and uh, linkedin twitter and on your website and that is blueoceanglobalwealth.com great so ladies where can our listeners find your book
2: Find, um, um, So we each have our own website and they can find the book on closetsignature.com.
0: Yes. What about Amazon? Could they go to Amazon and find your book as well or mainly through your own individual um, platforms?
2: They can also go find it on Amazon as well.
0: Yeah. Excellent. We,
2: yeah. We do prefer you support... The authors yes. directly.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I can understand that. Um, so Margarita, where to from here? Will you write another book? Will you write another co-author book?
1: Sure, I definitely will. I love the opportunity to collaborate. I feel like once you start writing, there's so much more you want to share. Um, there also is another website if people do want information. So remember I said blueoceanglobalwealth.com, but then there's also margaritacheng.com that has some of my other writing as well all ah,
0: right so you're you're a published author as in your own right i, I am yes that's right and what what say uh, is your book
1: well i mean i'm published uh personal finance so i've written chapters in other books but i also yeah. write for market watch kiplinger um cnbc so um i put my content out there to help people Yep.
0: Yeah. Excellent. That's lovely. And so with um, with your voice, both of you, that you'll be able to get the message out in terms of Asian women who boss up and uh, why it's really important to listen to everyone from every culture and not be judgmental is one of the biggest um uh, points I hear today. Uh, Different themes for each group of ladies I interviewed, totally different themes. And I love that about the different groups. But for you uh, both, it's uh, all about finance, but it's all about a whole lot of other things like lifelong learning and uh, learning from your past as well and bringing that past into the future and then thinking forward. I love your nuggets, the nuggets of wisdom there. They're fabulous. So I really enjoyed that. So what will you do as a group now, um, Margarita, as a group of authors? Will you come back together again and do something?
1: Well, I think we, it is sisterhood. And what I really like about this is I think that we've developed uh, many lifelong friendships. So I think there's opportunity for us to collaborate on other projects as well.
0: Excellent. What about you, Jahan? What do you think will, will, could happen in the future for you all as a group?
2: Continually staying connected through the power of like social media and opportunities like being on this show, Tracy. Thank you yes. so much. My I know Denise had um, connected all of us and we've had opportunities to be on other shows and continue mm. to and And we're global because you're in Australia and we're in the States and there will be other also opportunities to really work together.
0: Exactly. And BBS radio beams out across the world to many, 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 many countries. So that's what it's all about. So it's almost the end for us today. So I would like to congratulate you both and thank you so much for uh, accepting the invitation to come on today and chat with us. Uh, I'm really keen to meet you all in uh, the US next year, the US or Canada. So no doubt uh, Denise will keep you informed what we're doing over there because wouldn't it be nice if you came and spoke at our conference or even as a group of of co-authors in the space of Asian Women Boss Up having a panel and being there to talk to other people to help support co-create and who knows what um, leverage that will uh, produce for you all individually and as a group and as um, Asian women from many different cultures as well. So in saying that, I thank you both for coming along today. It's very good of you and great to hear for you. hear you. I'd like to thank all our listeners uh, for listening to another 60 Minutes of Tracy Tully Talks brought to you by bbsradio.com. And uh, from me to you, it's farewell. And we'll see you again and hear from you again next week on Thursday in AEST uh, at 10am and 5pm PT time. Until then, have a beautiful week. Thank you so much. Cheers for now. Thanks for listening to another 60 Minutes of Inspiring Talking Points on Tracy Tully Talks, brought to you by bbsradio.com. Tune in every Thursday morning at 10am Australian time AEST and 5pm PT time in America. Leave me a message on my website at www.bbsradio.com forward slash Tracy Tully Talks. If you're interested in lifting the profile, presence and profit of your business, sponsorship opportunities are available. Until next Thursday, it's goodbye from me.